We know that we are fed by the Word as we receive it from either reading the Bible or hearing the Word preached. But God said, What nurtures me is pouring out my life into others by doing the work of my Father. We all have a task, purpose of what God wants us to do. Let's listen in as Pastor Terry teaches this important principle. I think sometimes we can get um, into the habit or we can get used to coming to church. Church can be a routine. Church can be something that we just do every Sunday or Saturday or, or every weekend. Uh, even following God, if we're not careful, can just be, yeah, I believe in God, and yes, I believe in this, and you know, life just continues to, to roll along. And I think sometimes we need to remember that what we do, what we believe, what we say, how we walk, how we don't walk, how we live, how we don't live, makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. Thankfully, this 36-year-old tattoo artist knew Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. So today he is in heaven. But unfortunately, there are many 36-year-old men and many 36-year-old women who will pass away in the coming days who do not know Jesus Christ. And so I think it's important for us to remind ourselves, why are we here? What are we doing? Why is this important? Is it just a matter of something to belong to and, and something that we can cling to? I mean, what is church all about? You know, that's kind of the question that we've been asking ourselves these last couple of days. All summer we've been kind of preparing ourselves because one, because we, we recognize that we're in a new day at Sawgrass Community Church. We're asking ourselves this question, you know, what is God calling us to be about? What is God calling us to stand for? As we turn the chapter to a, to a new chapter in, in Sawgrass Community Church's life, you know, as a local church, what is God calling us to? See, I believe he's stirring us up for something big. I believe he's stirring us up and getting us ready to grow and to do more things than we ever thought possible that we simply couldn't do and cannot do without his presence and his power. That's why we have set aside the month of August to pray, because that's always the first step. We want to pray together as God's people, seeking his wisdom, his discernment. We want to pray so that we can understand what God is calling us to do. We dare not ever proceed my friends, with any decision we make in life without first spending our time in prayer. That's why we said that even when we put on the God's armor in Ephesians, the very next step is to hit your knees in prayer. I'm ready for battle, Lord, but I dare not move out. I dare not move forward. I dare not make a decision until I spend my time with you because, you know, none of us, none of us are assured tomorrow. All of life can change in a moment. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the better, and sometimes not. Our lives literally lie in his hand. That's why it's so important. Last week we talked about risk-taking kind of faith. We wanted to become faith-filled, big-thinking risk-takers. We wanted to believe that God wanted to do things to us so big, so unimaginable, that we simply had to rely upon him so he would receive all the glory. And we even said things like this, well, if we can figure it out, it must not be of God. So we're asking God, what is it? What is it you want us to do? How do you want us to respond? We want to seek God for miracles. We want to seek God for the impossible. We want to dream that God would, would do exceedingly more abundant in our lives than he ever has before. We talk about how by faith we see things that are unseen. By faith we believe in advance, in advance those things which we only can see in reverse and that sometimes make no sense to other people. 
We want to believe God for the impossible. Don't you want to live your life like that? Don't you want to live your life knowing that with God you can do all things, but without him anything of value just falls woefully short? We want to be people of God, children of God, who make a difference in the world because God has planted that within our hearts. Tonight I want to talk to you about being a contributor and not just a consumer. Man, it's pretty easy. This thing needs to be a consumer. Consumers is what it's all about. But God calls us to be contributors, not necessarily consumers. If you have your Bibles, and you know I've been gone some part of this week, so I don't have the scriptures on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, turn to John 4, verses 31 through 34. John 4, 31 through 34. Grab your iPhones or your Android phones or whatever it is that you use. And the fourth chapter of John. This is right after Jesus has encountered the woman at the well and offered her living water. And the disciples are concerned about Jesus, and he, he was hungry. He needed something to eat. And so that's the, um, that's the setup for the scripture. So John 4, 31-34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. I'm sure at this time the disciples are scratching their head. What is he talking about? A kind of food I know nothing about. Yeah, did someone bring him food while we were gone? <laughs> you know, what kind of food is he talking about? You know, must be a happy meal or something. What is Jesus talking about here that, 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 that he needs? The disciples asked each other, then verse 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Wow. Let me read that again. My nourishment. So here the disciples are trying to get Jesus something to eat. Jesus says, hey, I'm not concerned about that because my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Notice Jesus was not a bit concerned about himself. He's not a bit concerned about consuming anything. He says, my nourishment comes from what? completing the work my Father has given me to do. My nourishment comes from what? Reaching out to other people. I have a food that you know nothing about. I have a food that can fill you up that nothing possibly can come close to. What nourishes me, Jesus says, is pouring my life into others. I do the work of my Father. It's my job to finish the task that He has set before me. And guess what? That's our job too. You have a task. I have a task. We have a task. We have a purpose. We have something that God has calling us to do, and our nourishment comes from completing and finishing that task that God has uniquely designed for you and for me. You see, Jesus' response, honestly, it goes against our human nature. It goes against the core of who we are, because by nature, honestly, we are self-centered, selfish people who want our own way. I want it my way. I want to do things the way I want to do them. We hear this in our world a lot today, and that is this. You know that we're all, we're all just good people. And you know, I mean, honestly, most of you are pretty good people. But honestly, the Word of God tells us, I hate to be the one to tell you, you you hate to give bad news, but the Word of God tells us we're not so good. But the Word of God says that we're all messed up. 
we got this new saying I like here. The word of God says, I have issues, you have issues, all God's people have issues. And some of our issues are pretty big. And one of them is, is that I'm selfish and you're selfish and I want what's best for me and you want what's best for you. And forget about everybody else. Marketing companies know this. I love this. I did a little research this week. It was kind of fun, actually. Do you know when the Big Mac, yes, the Big Mac, McDonald's Big Mac, was invented, was created? 1968 was when the Big Mac was created. And here is the original slogan. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Now, their whole marketing campaign at McDonald's was, hey, wherever you go, whatever McDonald's you go to in the country, you're going to get two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, on a sesame seed bun, a Big Mac. And it was a promise. It was a guarantee. And that was doing really well until 1973. And guess who came along in 1973? The Wow. You guys are an above-average group. That is very impressive. Wow. That's right, the Whopper. And what was their jingle? Hold the pickle. Hold the lettuce. Special orders. Don't upset us. We just want to serve it your way. Right? And that started this whole consumerism for the last 40 years. We're what? The customer is king. The customer is always right. And so now you go to a furniture store. You don't even have to pay for your furniture for 45 years. I mean, you know, you go there and you fill the vacation and 45 years from now you've got to pay for it. Of course, if you, if you miss a payment, then you've got to pay all the it's, Or, you know, uh, we even see it on TV and on credit scores. You've got a good credit score, you get a special footrest. You know, all these kinds of things that occur because customer is king. It's all about the consumer. And, you know, honestly, I suppose that's a good thing if you're ordering a hamburger. Or if you're buying some furniture or you're buying a home, you know, we as customers. But here's what happens. That kind of consumerism has crept its way into the church. And now we hear things like this. Oh, I'm shopping around for a church. You're what? Yeah, I'm shopping around for a church. I want to get one that holds the pickle and holds the lettuce and special orders won't upset me. I want to go with just the right kind of carpeting and just the right kind of music. And so I'm shopping around, and so I'm looking for just the right church. I'm church shopping. Really? Doesn't that even sound odd to you? You're church shopping? Or how about this? I've looked and I've looked, and I just can't find a good church. I've been to 79 churches. 79 churches in, in two weeks, and I cannot find, I cannot find a good church. And then this is the topper. This is the topper. Well, you know what? I just can't find a church that meets my needs. Just meets my needs. So what do all those things have in common? They're all about the consumer. It's all about what I want. I can't find a church that meets my needs. That music's too loud. Yeah, you know, honestly, I can tell you a story. This is, this is the truth. Some of you who've been here for a while remember back when we were meeting on Shotgun Road. Remember when we changed the carpeting on Shotgun Road? Remember that? We put a new carpeting. That was a fiasco. But anyways, when we put that new carpeting in, actually, we had a couple leave the church because they didn't like the color and quality of the carpeting. Because it's all about consumer is king. 
I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, how, that's what we have, have come, or devolved to. But what God's Word tells us is that the church is not about you. It's not about me. It doesn't exist for us. It exists for those people out there who we can tell the good news about Jesus Christ for. That's what it is. God calls us to serve other people. God calls us to serve other people so that we care more about the needs of those people who don't know Jesus Christ than we do about the wants of those who do. Of those who do. So many of the things that we do isn't because I like them or you like them or anyone likes them. It's because they have an appeal to somebody. They have an appeal to somebody who needs to know Jesus. Do you know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've made a decision and you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, that you are gifted and called and set apart? Let me say that again. If you have made a decision and you said, Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God, I've confessed my sins and I've asked you into my heart, you are gifted, you are called, and you are set apart. You are gifted to make a difference in his church. Not the Songgrass Community Church, the Church Universal. God's church. It's God's decision. It's God's church. Here's what Romans, Paul says in Romans 12, 6-8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness due to others, do it gladly. Paul says we all have different gifts. All of our gifts are grace gifts from God. All of them are gifts from God. Here's what I know about God's gifts, is this, is that there's three basic truths. One, every believer has at least one gift that God has given you, and it's not your natural ability. God has gifted you. Everyone here has got at least one gift. And no believer has all the gifts. And those gifts are given to us, enabling us to reach the body, to reach those who own Jesus. Wow. You see, all of us have a gift. All of us have a spiritual gift that God has given us. Paul says we're to use those gifts. Why? To build up those around us and to empower us, to encourage us, to enable us to go tell other people about Jesus. To invest and invite them. Invest in their lives. Become their friends. Hang out with them. And when God opens the door, be ready to tell them about Jesus. To use that gift. So if your gift is hospitality, invite them over to your house. If your gift is encouragement, encourage them. If your gift is teaching, sit down and teach them. Use whatever gift God has given you to tell others by the way that we live about Jesus. That's our purpose. That's our reasoning. That's why those three gals up there are so exciting. Because now they know about Jesus. They have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Our job, as was Jesus' job, is to do the will of the Father. That's our job. Why am I here? You're here to do God's will. You're here to do the job that God has called you to do. He has gifted you. He has encouraged you. He has placed you here. He has given you talents and abilities to do a job. 
So as we, the Sawgrass Community Church, begin to look at our next chapter, we have to ask ourselves, how has God gifted us? And is everybody in the body using their gifts to build up the body? If we are faith-filled people, people that believe that through God we can do anything, and if we are willing and recognize that we have been gifted, set apart, and called, and we're willing to use those gifts, honestly, church, there isn't anything that we can't accomplish. A couple weeks ago, I went for a uh, follow-up sleep study test. Anybody ever had one of those things where they put the mask on your face, you know? The first time they did that to me, I freaked out. I mean, they had that mask on there, and the air comes blowing into your face. I thought I was suffocating, and so I darted out of there just like that. I was in there about 30 minutes, and I was gone. So the second time, this was a couple weeks ago, I went there, and I spent a lot more time in prayer. Lord, i got to get through this kind of thing. Help me, Lord, to get through this kind of thing. And you know, I put that mask on, and it was no problem. It, I slept the whole night. It was great. And it, was, it, was just, it was difference as day and night. But that's not the story. Anyways, as I was leaving... I came across, as I was leaving went the door, early in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, there was this other lady who's coming in. And, and she stops me. And she says, wow, you remind me so much of my husband. She says, I just want to talk to you so much about my husband. I said, yeah, well, tell me about him. Well, he was 41. The cancer took him so quick, so quick. He was gone before I knew it. Oh, man, so we just kind of talked about it together. And then I discovered that it was about a year later, almost the same month, that her oldest son was murdered. And so she was talking to me, and you could tell the Holy Spirit's at work. Well, why are you here this morning? Well, because my daughter has had a problem with her heart. She's in here right now in the emergency room. So we prayed together, and and I told her as we left, I said, hey, if there's any way I can help you, I gave her our Sawgrass Green Purse card. You just let me know. I have 36 o'clock in the morning. So this week, she, or this week, she called. And I, and I called her back. And she was so thankful that I called her back. And what she told me was this. You know, Pastor, I, I, I enjoyed so much our conversation together. It was so encouraging. And I just wanted to tell you, because you said if there was anything I needed. And honestly... Uh, I just don't have the resources to buy school supplies for my son, my younger son. I don't even have those resources. I was washing an old backpack that I had and kind of cleaned that out, and I was going to actually glue his tennis shoes together so that he could have some shoes on there. Do you think it'd be any way that you might be able to help me with school supplies? Of course. And so, I don't know, maybe some of you received that email that came through the uh, church email this week. We're collecting school supplies and packages for this young family, this woman who suffered so much. And she had so much joy, so much joy. You see, we can make a difference. We can, make, we can love in a way that matters. Do you think that our little, appreci- or our little uh, uh, act of appreciation of showing how much we love her makes a difference in her life? Yeah, it does. She goes, oh, I want to come visit your church sometime. I want to come visit. You see, our job is to do the will of the Father. Let's let him sort out those other things, those big questions. Let's let him sort those things out. Let's just do what he's called us to do. 
uh, you know, the, so we are to use those gifts that God has, different, has given us. We're also called, to listen carefully, to light up the world around us. You know, that definition of light is to illuminate the darkness around you. See, what light does, light just comes in and illuminates so the darkness doesn't even exist anymore. Ever been afraid of the dark? Yeah. Ever been at nighttime you're afraid of the dark? Yeah. And what happens? The moment you put just a little light on, the darkness, what? It just goes away. It just flees. That's what we are to be in the world. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Listen to how clearly he speaks to each and every one of us. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, this one says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Oh, no, I just want to stop there. You see what it says? Let your good deeds. When we respond very simply and go to Office Depot and buy some erasers and some pencils and some tennis shoes and we bring them in there and we collect them all together and we deliver them to this woman, we are letting our deeds shine in the darkness. When we do anything that God has commanded us and tells us to do, we are letting our light shine in the darkness. When we go visit somebody who's lonely, when we hold someone's hand, when we, when, we give, when we pray a word of encouragement, when we give them a few dollars, whatever we can do, as we do good deeds, we tell others about Jesus Christ. That's the cool part. They're just little things that we have to do. Little things for us to do. Little things, little opportunities. Opportunities for you and I to share the good news with those around us about Jesus Christ. It's an exciting thing. So as we say, well, you know, what's our purpose again? Well, we want to be faith-filled people who believe that when God gives us a task, when God gives us an assignment, there is nothing that we can't accomplish. And then we want to use the gifts. We don't want to be consumers. We want to be contributors. We don't want to be looking for 79 churches to find our home. We want to ask God, where do you want us? Place us, God, where you want us. You tell me, you tell me, Lord, where you want my family to be. And then let me use the little gifts you give, whether you give me one or two or three or however many gifts you've given me, let me use those gifts to tell others about Jesus. Let me be a light on a hill. Let me do just my little part. You know, it only takes a little bit of light to make a big difference. That's the amazing part. If you're in one of those, ever been in one of those uh, 100% darkness caverns, you know, where you go into the cave and it is completely black. I mean, there is no light whatsoever. Pretty freaky. You know, you can't even see the hand in front of your face. You do this and there's nothing there. And you can't even see the hand in front of your face. But if you just take a, a little light and just turn it on, the whole place lights up. That's kind of the cool part. We don't have to be a big spotlight. We don't have to get one of those big searchlights. Just a little light pierces the darkness. See, God doesn't call us to do these big mammoth things, to be this big light in the darkness. Just a little thing. We can change one life by just buying 
school supplies. We can encourage one person by praying with them and being there for them. We can encourage one family, one marriage that's struggling by babysitting for their kids. We can do so many things that we think are no big deal, but they're a big deal for the kingdom of God. They're a big deal for those around us. They're a big deal for people who need Jesus. So as we begin to look at, 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 at where we are and, and where God is calling us to be, let's be big faith people. Let's be people who recognize we can't do things on our own, but with God, wow, watch out. And let's be people who recognize that God has gifted us and he's called us to work collectively. You see, I can't do it by myself and you can't do it by yourself. God has called this body together right now to do your part and my part and his part and her part. And as we do that together, what else does it say? It says it brings glory to God. As we let his light shine through us, as we believe by faith that all things are possible, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Jesus gets the glory. Because remember, it's all about him. It's all about him. Amen? Do you think that you would be interested in attending a church like that? Do you think you'd be interested in attending a church that made prayer its focus? Do you think a church that had strong, risk-taking faith that believed God for the impossible, that things could be accomplished? Do you think that if the church came together and recognized its giftedness, its calledness, its set-apartness, and its, and its members decided they were going to use those gifts together to make a difference in the world, to be a light in the world. Do you think that would be attractive? Do you think people might look around? Yeah, I think it might sound something like this. I think two guys might be walking down the road and saying, you know that church over there, I'm not sure what they believe. I'm not even sure if I believe what they believe. But they're good people. And they're doing good things. And every time they do something good, you know what they say? They say, we give all the glory to God. Wow. That's kind of unusual. I might want to find out about that. And then that 36-year-old tattoo artist who doesn't know Jesus Christ might just find him. So that 36-year-old tattoo artist who's driving alongside the road and his life is going to be called from him, he knew Jesus because somebody let the light shine. Somebody was called and set apart and used their gifts to tell him the good news about Jesus. I think that's the church God's calling us to be. And guess what? Here's the good news. We don't have to be a thousand people to do that. We really don't. We can do that with ten. We can do that with ten. And, hey, we give God all the glory. Amen? Thank you, Lord, so much for tonight. Lord, we're just, uh, we're so grateful, Lord, that you love us. And Lord, we recognize that we live in a day and age and a time that, uh, while the things that you think are important, Lord, and the things that most of us think are important just don't line up. Uh, And Lord, we want to follow your will and your ways and your timing, Father, because we know that your will and your way is correct. So Lord, we thank you that... um, that you have gifted us, that you've called us, that you've set us apart 
Father, we thank you that you have given us a purpose and a meaning. We thank you, Lord, that you want to use us to, to light the world, to illuminate the darkness around us, God, to show others the good news about Jesus. And so, God, we just ask that as we continue to, to pray, continue to seek your will, continue, Lord, to follow you, that you will continue to show us and to guide us in all that we do and say, Lord. And so we thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.